Welcome to KJV Cafe, where we explore great truths from God's holy word in a simple, down-to-earth fashion. Romans 10:17 shows us where faith comes from. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's grow our faith together in the cafe today. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. Grab your Bible and a hot cup of coffee or tea and join us now as we explore God's holy word. Hey man, welcome to the cafe. Hopefully you're doing well. Hopefully you're having a wonderful day, a wonderful week. I'm so excited to dive into God's word here. We're in a three-part series on godly deliverance. And this is okay if you haven't heard the other two parts because each part is dealing with a unique deliverance from God of King David that's written about in the scriptures. Of course, we know King David as the writer of Psalms. We know King David as a mighty king. We know King David as being part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. We know King David as one that was a man after God's own heart. We also know that he was not perfect. And we see that through godly deliverance, Really, I mean, the way I put it was at least three life-threatening situations where David's life was threatened severely. First with Goliath, then King Saul, and thirdly with Absalom, his son, his own son. We see that David is delivered by God. We see God's hand in all three of these. In Goliath, you see that it was God that had that smooth stone ready, prepared for David. It was God that put that smooth stone right where it needed to be in the sling and right there into Goliath's head. It was God that had prepared David in advance with the lion and the bear, gave David the faith to defeat him. It was God that saved David from King Saul and showed King Saul David's intention not to hurt him by allowing David to cut off his robe, but not kill him, and then present it to him saying, look, I could have killed you and I didn't. Does this not clearly show I'm not a threat to you because you're God's anointed? And so we see that in in part one with uh, David and Goliath, part two with David and King Saul. And now here we are in part three, where David, King David, is on the run from his own son, Absalom, his own son. Now, who ends up becoming king after David? Solomon. That's right. If you said Solomon, you're right. It'd be King Solomon. That's who the Lord had anointed king. King Solomon was the one that uh, was the wisest man to ever live, Uh, wrote books like the Song of Solomon, uh, Ecclesiastes, and of course, Proverbs. And Solomon was going to be king, but Absalom thought he should be king. And so he rebelled as King David got up in age and said, I'm going to overthrow the kingdom, and went against God's ways. And using his intellect, using his um, kind of uh, his, maybe how he felt, Absalom felt, he felt like his dad was vulnerable, that he could overthrow the king. His dad was vulnerable. And David uh, then goes on the run from Absalom, and that's where we pick it up here in 2 Samuel 18. 2 Samuel 18. And David numbered the people that were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab and a third part under the hand of Abashi and the third, uh, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Idi, the Gittite. And the king said unto the people, I will surely go forth with you myself also. 
But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth, for if we flee away, they will not care for us, neither if half of us die will they care for us. But now thou art worth ten thousand of us, therefore now it is better that thou succor us out of the city. And the king said unto him, What seemeth you best, I will do. And the king stood by the gate side, and all the people came out by the hundreds and by the thousands. And the king commanded Joab and Abashi and Idai, saying, And remember, these are the three people that were over the hundreds and thousands, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. Verse 5 of 2 Samuel 18 is incredibly important. King David's own son wanted to kill him to become king. And King David loved his son and did not want his son to be killed and knew the stakes were high, the battle was hot, and it could happen. So he's saying, don't do it. So the people went out into the field against Israel and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David. And there was there a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country, and the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. That's verse 9 here of 2 Samuel 18. And so we see here the consequence of Absalom's rebellion against his father and Absalom's a rebellion against God, frankly, because God hadn't anointed him to become king. The consequence was that 20,000 people died in one day. And so we see oftentimes that our rebellion against God actually can lead to consequences beyond what we can imagine, and it can hurt others. There are ripple effects of sin that are very great. I grew up in a broken home. And my brother and I would often look at each other as five, 10-year-olds, and we'd wonder if we were cursed or something because we were dealing with a lot of really serious problems at a very young age. And now being older, I know that we weren't cursed with anything other than a sin curse. And that same sin curse was evident in mom and dad and so forth and grandma and grandpa and whatever it was. And we were victims in a way of sin. We were in the wake of what sin had created. And that is true all the time living in this world. And yet David was not trying to sin, but was trying to simply escape the hand of Absalom and regain the power that God had given to him. And so here we are here. Uh, Absalom is stuck on an oak tree. Uh, His mule is running away. Some people say his hair got stuck, but it just said his head is stuck under the thick boughs of a great oak, okay? And so he's stuck there. He's vulnerable, obviously, very vulnerable. And a certain man saw it and told Joab, and and that's Joab being kind of the general there in charge of that group, and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Joab said to the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him. Why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet I would not put forth my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee and Abshi and Idai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Remember verse 5, I believe it was. Uh, The king commanded all three of them, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And so the soldiers simply telling the general, Look, I did what the king told me to do. And let's see what Joab does. 
Otherwise, I should have wrought falsehood against my own life, for there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself wouldst have set thyself against me. Verse 14, then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And 10 young men that bare Joab's armor could pass about and smote Absalom and slew him. And Joab blew the trumpet and the people returned from pursuing after Israel for Joab held the people back, held back the people. That's verse 16 there of 2 Samuel 18. So we see here, that David's enemy, also his son, was killed by one of the generals. And David was distraught. He was very upset about it. He didn't want this to happen, amen. Uh, the king said unto him, this is verse 30, turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushy came and Cushy said, tidings, my lord, the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushy, is the young man Absalom safe? So David knows he's okay, but he just wants to know, is his son safe? And Cushy answered, the enemies of my lord, the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. Whew, that's tough as a dad. I think of my son, my youngest son, CJ, especially. Boy, he's got a stubborn bone about him. I don't know if he got it from me or his mom or his grandma or somebody, but that kid can be stubborn. And I could see him going against me and something and, and to the point where he was mad. And, uh, you know, I, I just, no matter what, I wouldn't want harm to come his way. No matter what, even if he desired harm on me, I wouldn't want harm to come his way. And that's how David felt there. And it's a sad story. But also, it's a story of deliverance, because we don't read that Absalom killed his father and becomes king. We don't read that. In fact, we read in the Bible that David's throne stands forever, amen. Deliverance sometimes comes from your very own earthly family, and this is a hard truth, amen. Sometimes there are people in our family that are not living as God intends for them to live, and that desire to do those that are living godly harm, which could be you. And sometimes God will deliver us from our own family. And, you know, there were many people that were against David in this battle. It wasn't just Absalom. He had gathered a group. Amen. And those many people, the crowd, reminds me of that verse in the Bible that speaks of even though many are joined hand in hand wanting to rebel, they won't go without punishment. And so even though there are many today that will say, oh, well, we're all a group. And popular culture says it's okay to sin against God. It's okay to do things that are perverse and, and uh, aberration, awful in God's sight. It's okay to live against God's ways and will because we're a group. And think about this. This, this logic doesn't make sense because if you read the Bible, you learn about who God is. He's a fearful God. He's a mighty God. He's a creator God. He's made everything. What is it to him if one person rebels or a million people rebel? Is it too hard for him to take over a million people? Was it too hard for him then? No. Is it too hard for him now? No. And so even though there was a crowd with Absalom, godly deliverance still occurred. It still occurred. God's man prevailed. Don't trust the wisdom of the crowd when seeking God for deliverance. 
Seek the Lord. I've heard it said by many preachers, oftentimes the majority or the crowd is wrong. Not always, but oftentimes they are wrong. If there's a wicked movie and everybody's going to see it and you can't decide whether you want to see it or not, but you say to yourself, well, everyone else is going to see it. That doesn't make it right. Amen. How many subscribers does Netflix have? That play, that's a wicked program. Cancel that subscription today and you'll be blessed for it. I promise you. Get something else. Amen. Get rid of that stuff. Oh, but we've got millions of subscribers. That doesn't make it good. Amen. That doesn't make it godly. And I know I'm just bringing up a simple example, but you know where where you are today and where you need deliverance from. And the crowd may tell you it's okay to be drunk. It's okay to have sex before marriage. It's okay to commit adultery. It's okay to steal. It's okay to lie. It's okay to worship a false God. It's okay to covet. It is not. None of these things are okay with God. They weren't okay with God then. They're not okay with him now. And God will deliver you from these struggles if you turn to him and have faith in him. God's deliverance often includes lessons on his ways. You know, we see that Absalom's head was stuck in the tree. He was not captured by man. He was captured by God. God allowed his nature to take this rebellious individual and capture him and hold him there to be killed. That was God's hand. God used that tree to capture him. And so we see oftentimes that the lessons that we learn uh, from God are great, and they're all around us in nature as we are delivered from those uh, problems in our life. Maybe it's not an individual. Maybe it's some other kind of problem. It's important to seek the Lord, expect deliverance from him, even if that means coming home to heaven to be with him. God may deliver his saints by taking them out and allowing them to come to heaven. Amen. That to me is a reward. Amen. That's a homecoming. Amen. But if God is going to give you deliverance here, he's going to do it by you having faith like David, you trusting him and not the crowds, you believing that he will deliver you, and then you giving him praise after he delivers you, you showing forth praise. How did David do that? Well, he wrote the Psalms. Amen. He praised God every day until the Lord took him home. I believe it. We need to do the same thing. When we're delivered from our struggles, we need to turn to God and thank him. Whatever you're facing today, turn to God in prayer and trust him to deliver you. And I believe he will. Amen. And you give him all the glory when he does. I thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of KJV Cafe. Have a question for Pastor Clark? Email him directly at clark at enduringpromise.org or visit kjvcafe.com and click the envelope button on the homepage. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. We'll close today with Psalm 119 verses 166 through 168. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee.